We are in the mood for fantasy football. We are Pro Football Network. I'm your host, BJ Rudell. With me, as always, is Tommy Garrett. You can reach me on Twitter at BJ Rudell. You can reach Tommy at Tommy Garrett PFN. Uh, we're going to roll through some uh, injuries slash start sits um, to help get you ready for week nine and maybe get me ready for week nine because I still don't know my final lineup. Uh, Tommy, let's jump right in. Kyler Murray right now, questionable as of Friday afternoon. Hasn't practiced all week. Game time decision, 4 p.m. Eastern game. What do you do if you have Kyler Murray? Uh, how nervous would you be right now? Very. Uh, I mean, you're looking at a guy who's every week he has top three upside at the quarterback, at the quarterback position. Um, not only that, but you're looking at him potentially missing some of his his integral weapons in the passing offense. Um, the matchup is there. Like, it's not a bad matchup with them going up against San Francisco 49ers. Um, they're a team they can score on. This is one of the hot, most high-profiled high offenses in the NFL. Uh, quarterback's a deep position. We all know that. Um, you can get a good streaming option this week. Uh, I know a lot of people are going like with Carson Wentz, and he ended up working out pretty well. Um, I mean, guys like you know Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, um, even you know a Tua going up against the Houston Texans, even though he might be missing. Uh, we know he's going to be missing at least one of his receivers. Uh, there's options that are out there. No one will be as good as Kyler Murray or bring you the same amount of upside. Um, the problem is the game uh, with a 4 p.m. Uh, kickoff in that late af- in that afternoon window. That's after a majority of the games have already been played. Uh, so you're kind of looking to hopefully make a decision beforehand. If we get any news leading up to that, hopefully we can kind of have a better idea of whether or not he's going to play. As of right now, um, I would almost treat it as if he would not uh, be active and then make some plans, and you might be pleasantly surprised that he does play. Even if he does, we know he's going to be limited. It's a guy who relies on that rushing upside and that that dynamic ability to get outside the pocket where it really kind of extends the play and let guys get open. Uh, if he's going to be hampered in that, then I think you might end up be looking at like low-end QB1 upside. If he does play, uh, you're mm-hmm. not going to get that top three ability that you normally would get. So if I've got Kyler, I'm already starting to plan ahead and try to get a secondary option just in case he does not start this weekend, which is kind of looking more towards he won't. And about, about an hour ago, I did just that, Tommy. I traded Justin Fields, who's going up against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. I didn't like the matchup. Yep. And I traded him for Daniel Jones at home against the Raiders. I yeah, I mean, like I don't Jones like the matchup between him and Matt Nagy, let alone the Pittsburgh Steelers getting involved. Yeah, exactly. It's a double whammy there. So I feel like Jones is going to be either 12 points or 26 points. Like, it's going to be yep. one of those. Uh, and so I, I went up against Jonathan Taylor this week, so I need it. Um, but once again, I mean, you're targeting a quarterback with the rushing upside. And that's, that's what right. we love in fantasy. Which is funny. I think Jones, I wonder if this is true. I haven't looked it up. Uh, if he has more rushing yards than uh, Kyler Murray this year. It's quite uh, He did at one point. I mean, I know the top two, it's it's Lamar Jackson and it's uh, Jalen Hurts. They're your top two right now. I know Murray's uh, rushing yards out. are down from like 54 last year or the first, the first half of last year, he was averaging about 54 rushing yards a game. And this year he's averaging about 18. Yeah, Daniel wow. Jones right now is actually fifth in the NFL uh, for the quarterback position in rushing yards of 241. Kyler Murray only has 147, uh, wow. which is saying something because, you know, sitting in the QB6 but doing all with his arm in contrast to actually getting having to use his rushing uh, to get That's it done right. as we've seen in years previous. That's right. Good stats, Tommy. Uh, what about Tyrod Taylor coming back? I know you're pretty high on him. Is he a trustworthy streamer against the Dolphins or is he uh, more hype given that he, you know, his first game and a half before he got hurt this year? Uh, Dolphins are not a good football team. Uh, let's just be completely completely blunt about that. 
Um, they're better on on defense outside of anything else, and you do have some decent uh, options on the in the uh, defensive secondary. But we know these guys struggle. Uh, Taylor coming back actually kind of elevates the floor of the entire Houston Texans team. Now, granted, this is not saying much. Davis Mills did a good job, but you're still the Houston Texans. And you're not Tyrod Taylor. Uh, played pretty well. If we look at his first couple games he had this season, had four touchdowns in his basically one and a half games. Uh, end up throwing for about nearly 350, I'm sorry, about 425 yards combined uh, throughout those time. And it is, I think it elevates the team, especially the past game. Someone like, you know, Brandon Cooks uh, gets a little bit better with this matchup. Um, Nico Collins might end up being like a deeper play this week, potentially. Uh, you saw Brevin Jordan get his very first touchdown in his first career game, although he ended up getting end up getting hurt in that one. Uh, you can't trust the running game on this team, so you have to do it all via the air. Uh, it's likely that the Miami Dolphins will be able to score points on this defense, and in turn, Tyrod Taylor is going to have to try to keep them going. Uh, if you're in a two QB league, I like Tyrod Taylor as like that secondary quarterback option. I'm not playing him in one QB league just because of how many other solid and reliable quarterbacks there are, and especially in his first game back. But look, Tyrod Taylor, it's a it should be safe. He's got the bye week come up after that. Then I think he gets a little bit of a better schedule, Tennessee, than the Jets uh, right after that. So yeah, Tyrod Taylor, I don't mind him. Very good. Do you like him more than Jordan Love this week? Who's uh, yes. starting in place? Yes. No questions asked. Yeah, I think I probably would. Uh, what What have we seen out of Jordan Love in the preseason that made us say, "Oh, yes, this is a reliable starting option"? Uh, right. We haven't seen a damn thing out of him, quite frankly. Neither have the the, the uh, Green Bay Packers. Um, it's It's hard for me to play a guy making his very first career start in the NFL, like in a regular season game. The like, devil's advocate a, here. Devil's advocate. Yeah. Cooper yep. Rush last week. Uh, Mike White. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you've got uh, in Green Bay, you have two great pass catching backs in AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones, not in that order. Jones coming first. You've got Devontae Adams. So you've got a, a quarterback who who's, hasn't done anything with a, an incredible arsenal around him versus an experienced, agile quarterback in Tyrod Taylor who doesn't really have much to go with. Is, or you're True. saying you'd rather have Taylor on that? Yeah, I mean, it's you bring up the Cooper Rush aspect, that's fine, but Cooper Rush has been in the NFL since 2017. Yeah. Jordan Love has not seen the snap in a regular season game. Yeah. So I think there's, I think there's a big difference between the skill set. And yeah, I, I agree. Like, you've got talent options on uh, with Green Bay Packers. We know they have a better offense, too, with Matt LaFleur calling the plays. You've got Devonta Adams. You've got Alan Lazard. MVS, uh, assuming he comes back. You Like I said, you bring up uh, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, and they, I think they're going to rely on that running game more. The same we saw last week when the Green Bay Packers didn't have, like even with Aaron Rodgers, without his top three options, you see a lot of, of the attempts end up going to the running backs of this game. I think you see a You're similar right. a similar skill set. So as good as Devontae Adams is, they are still handcuffed to what Jordan Love can do getting them the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, you see guys end up playing well in their first game. Um, look, Mike White a couple of days ago, uh, a couple of weeks ago. He comes out and plays well in his very first game. Ended up looking pretty good last night, too, up until he got hurt. So it's there's always that aspect of what does a guy do in his first game. We have no idea. Um, I've just never seen anything on tape that makes me love Jordan Love, uh, pun intended or whatever. Uh, so for me, I would rather stick with a veteran. Like I know the offense might not be as good, uh, but the fact they don't have any other options behind him in the backfield they're going to have to rely on them. And I think the matchup is a little bit better too. going against the Dolphins. Like I said, it's none of them, are, none of them are good. Like these are still bottom tier players. Uh, but I think just Tyrod Taylor is going to be just in a tier above Jordan Love for, for whatever's that worth. Very good. Before Tommy and I get into uh, running backs, 
a uh, quick note uh, about our sponsor, X Chair. Um, I have an X Chair chair behind me, uh, which you can kind of see right there. Um, my uh, full frame fills it nicely. And uh, I've always had lower back issues. And this is uh, an incredible chair, uh, truly. I sit here and I do my work and I don't even think about the chair I'm sitting in, which is what you want in a chair. You don't want a chair where you are constantly feeling what the chair feels like. You are just relaxed in the chair and you can focus on what you're doing. Um, I love this and I recommend it to anyone who wants to get an upgraded chair. If you if you fit that bill, then go to xchairpfn.com now. That's the letter X, chairpfn.com or call one 844 for X chair for $100 off your order. And uh, X chair has a 30 day guarantee of complete comfort. You can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. X chair, PFN.com back to running backs. Uh, we've got uh, James Robinson as of Friday afternoon, uh, questionable Carlos Hyde, uh, the crafty veteran. I always call mm -hmm. veterans crafty. Um, who can come in and, and spell him if needed or start for him and catch a few balls and maybe get nine points. If James Robinson is starting, are you comfortable starting James Robinson as a top 16 running back this week? Uh, in any other week, I think I would. But when I add in the Buffalo Bills matchup, uh, that kind of scares me a little bit. Um, I think he's he's looking more towards like if he would play, he would be like a back end RB two. Um, like this is a guy that we finally seeing who's getting the touches that we've always won. I think he's seen like you know like nineteen touches or something like that since like week two and and uh, week through up until like last season, like until like last week. Uh, so I think you do get some some usage out of James Robinson, but it's uh, he doesn't have the upside in a game where I think we're all expecting the Jacksonville Jaguars to get blown out. Uh, if he doesn't play, I'm staying completely away from Carlos Hyde. Uh, mm. He brings nowhere near the upside of a James Robinson. Uh, so I think it's it's one of those ones where like, you kind of got to temper your expectations instead of being a, a high-end RB2. He's kind of like a, a higher-end RB3 uh, this week for for James. So it's play him if he starts, but also be prepared in case you know he does kind of get banged up or, you know, hey, they're getting blown out, so why do we need to leave him in there to get banged up potentially even more? And they go to Carlos Hyde and kind of limit his snaps. So it's I temper your expectations, and also it's if you've got a better option, I would most likely try to uh, plug them in there instead. Very good. Now, uh, next running back, when I started my first fantasy football blog, it only lasted about 10 weeks, and I decided uh, it wasn't worth my time. I I think I, I was trying, I was, uh, uh, met my wife and, uh, and we started dating and I realized that was more important, but the point is not to digress. That was the 2007 season and that was Adrian Peterson's rookie year. And now he's 36 and he's supposed to be starting for Tennessee. So this, this is a weird week for me. I feel a little sentimental. I'm sure Adrian <laughs> feels even more sentimental. Um, the fact that he's actually playing and I'm just sitting here talking about it. But the point is, can we trust Adrian Peterson as a top 30 running back in fantasy this week? I've got him sitting right outside top 30. I've got him as a low end RB three this week. He's going to get you volume. Uh, but look, the Rams for as good as they were just got better. Like they yeah. somehow go on and add Vaughn Miller um, to go along with um, Aaron Donald. You've got Litter Floyd on this team. It's, this is not a team that I want to mess around with in any shape or form, let alone with an aging veteran for like, I hate betting against Adrian Peterson because he's been that guy throughout his entire career. 
that has always kind of broken the mold and like redefined what the running back position is like when we talk about a generational running back and we love to throw that term out there anymore and it's completely getting overused like this was adrian peterson like he was that generational prospect the mm-hmm. generational back and we've seen it basically at every step of his career especially like when he came but comes back from an, an acl tear and just lights the league on fire and almost breaks the nfl single season record um he might end up getting somewhere like that 14 to 16 carry range but I don't know if there's the, really that upside of him to break a long one. And even if he does get those, like yards per carry, we're probably not going to be getting too much in terms of of broken plays. You can play him, but like I said he's probably just more of a volume play, running back three, low-end kind of range, not a lot in terms of, again, like PPR leagues. I think he's going to be even worse option. A lot of people are kind yeah. of pivoting over towards like Jeremy McNichols. Uh, but even with him, like everyone is basing his upside on a single game. And outside of that, we haven't really seen much. Um Granted, when you have Derrick Henry, like there's not a lot of other carries and snaps go along to other running backs. I get that. Uh, I will take a wait and see approach on this team. Uh, even if it wasn't a good matchup, I'd probably do the same thing. When you throw the Rams uh, aspect into it, I'm kind of hands off this week. Yeah, I, this is a really interesting thing for me to think about with with Tennessee because, you know, this is it's almost like a chess match where the Rams have cornered all the best possible plays Tennessee can make. I mean, they've got Jalen Ramsey. I don't know if he's going to be shadowing AJ Brown. But, uh, you know, Brown could have a muted game pretty easily yep. because he's the main yep. target. And the running game, I don't see getting much uh, mileage for all the reasons you said. Mm-hmm. So then is it, you know, is it a, a Ferkser day? Is it a Swaim day? You know, is it? A, I mean, do any of those guys move the needle from a fantasy aspect? No. I would say no. And so I mean, it's really hard to imagine, uh, you know, you have to start A.J. Brown, but it's hard to imagine any Tennessee Titan. Uh, anyone feeling good about whatever it is they're producing this week from a fantasy perspective? I mean, um, I'm sure like the Tennessee Titans have to be massive underdogs in this game, which is surprising yeah. given what they just did against the Colts, who looked really well this week. Um, ah, actually, no, it's only a seven point game. Oh. The line's only seven points. So apparently they're I'll expecting the something that I'm not seeing. Yeah. I maybe uh maybe there will be a light wind. Um I got nothing. uh one more, David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert. Uh this is a tough one because there's been some talk that I've uh, uh, read talk being things that we can all find on the internet. If we have the time to look right. um, that says Montgomery hasn't been ruled out as of Friday afternoon um, for Monday's game. Uh, if somehow Montgomery is active, uh, do we just throw the, I mean, basically should people make other plans if they have Khalil Herbert going? Oh God, what a nightmare this would yes. be. Like, I, I already don't like dealing with Matt Nagy. Like, the only good part about this offense has been the usage of Khalil Herbert. Like, he has absolutely taken over this backfield, and he's been pretty much a must-start every single week. Like, even in a matchup like this against the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, which we know how good they can be, especially in the run defense. Like, Khalil Herbert, based off volume alone, would be a must-start option. You bring Dave Montgomery in here, and it's, okay, let's say he takes, you know, six to eight carries, and they ease him back in. All right, so now you're looking at Khalil Herbert with 10 to 12 carries in a game. Like, that completely just demolishes his upside on what would normally be a 16 to 18 plus. I mean, he's had several games so far this season where he's he's even exceeded that. Uh, If you go back to last week where he had 23 carries, the week before that, 18, 19, and 18. Uh, Take that, and like I said, you take six away from that, you're looking at the guy who's now in the, like I said, 11 to 13 range. Like, there's not much upside in that. Like, at that point... I'd rather play like AJ Dillon over uh, Khalil Herbert this week if they bring back David Montgomery. Uh, so I hope they don't. I, like I hope that they. Call. 
I hope they end up taking the uh, the safe approach on him. Uh, if Khalil Herbert does play and it's not with David Montgomery, you play him. If David Montgomery is active, I don't want to trust his backfield anymore. Yeah. And Pittsburgh's a weird team right now. It's hard to know. I saw some stat that said that uh, Ben Roethlisberger oh, is right. the second worst quarterback on downfield throws. Um, but the Steelers defense is keeping them relevant. And with the Browns struggling, the Bengals losing yep. last week, you know, you could see a case where the Steelers still have hope that they could, that they could claw their way into the lead in this division. And I had given up on them a couple of weeks ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you look at the Steelers, like they were like, Ben can't, doesn't have the arm strength anymore to take, to take deep shots. That's why you can see Chase Claypool muted anymore in terms of his impact. Yeah. He's leading the NFL right now. It's like 2.37 seconds according to next gen stats on time to throw. And he's got an average intended air yards of just like 6.9 yards downfield. Wow. Uh, it's so yeah, it's, it's pretty it's brutal. Like yeah. Yeah. Yeah, average distance. Level. His average ARR differential, according to uh, Next Gen stats, is negative two point five yards. Uh, all those, so all those dump offs to uh, Najee Harris. Yeah, his longest completed air distance pass, so the the ball traveling in the air, is only forty eight point seven yards. Now, granted, like that's not necessarily just vertically; that's just in general. So that could have been a you know it's fifth, the field fifty three and a third wide. Cross that might have only been a thirty seven yard pass that traveled you know ten yards. In the other in this direction, so right. I mean it's it's brutal. Like Baker Mayfield, he had a lame shoulder and threw it sixty six point four yards. Like Ben is a shell of himself anymore. So yeah, it's not surprising that they're struggling on a deep ball. That's why Najee Harris is playing so damn well because he's getting all the targets. I love it when you bring up that long throw from Baker Mayfield. It's I think it's the third time you've brought it up, and I I always look forward to it. Well, it makes no sense. Like people complain, oh Baker Mayfield can't throw the ball deep. You want to bet? Did we talk about him last last week? If he's going to end up in Seattle when Russell Wilson leaves, that's what I don't think we I brought think. that one up. I, I I think I might have tweeted it out. I can't remember now. When you do fantasy football all day, folks, you forget who you talk. I think I tell my wife everything about fantasy football, and uh, I haven't written anything in weeks. So it's it all gets it all gets jumbled together. Uh, quickly, receivers, Kadarius Tony, you've been high on him, Tommy. Is he going to shine with uh, Sterling Shepard out and uh, Kenny Galladay hobbled? I think the thing is, like, like I've been high on Tony in the games where it made sense to be high on. Um, as a player coming into the season, I actually wasn't. Uh, I thought he was oh. overdrafted based on where he was like, coming out of Florida. Uh, but if you look at him right now, it's in the games where the Giants don't have better options, Kadarius Tony's been pretty dang good. Uh, you look go back to those two games where he had, like, the nine targets and then 13 uh, for 189. Yeah. Uh, but after that, you know, he gets hurt. Then they end up playing him when he clearly wasn't ready to go. He reaggravates it. Boom. And all of a sudden, then he misses the next game. Uh, last week did play better, but then misses time because of a, you know, a laceration on his hand. So it's kind of a little bit more of a freak accident than anything else. Uh, if you're missing other guys, like Sterling Shepard's already been rolled out. Uh, Kenny Galladay is going to miss another game due to this hyper, hyper extended knee. He suffered in week five. Uh, you're dealing now. Also, they put Dante Pettis on the IR, who ended up being one of the guys that surprisingly ended up being a must-start play that week that I we talked that. about him. That's yeah, big. Dante Pettis has actually now been a place on the IR due to a shoulder injury he suffered last week. John so you entered this game with John Ross, yeah, John Ross yeah. Darius Slayton, and Kadarius Tony uh, leading the passing attack for this one. So yeah, wow. Kadarius Tony makes a lot of sense. Like I would not be surprised if he ends this week as a top twenty play. Um, yeah. I'm not I'm not going to rank him that way, but I think the upside. You could see Kadarius Tony end up being a wide receiver too this week based off volume. 
Yeah, I did not imagine uh, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, when I traded Michael Thomas and Kadarius Tony for Antonio Brown and uh, one of the Ravens running backs, that uh, that Kadarius Tony would be uh, the, the gym of that trade in Week Nine. Yeah, yeah, um, that's uh, that's where we are right now in fantasy. He was a throw-in. Uh, Devonte Smith, uh, uh, really struggling, and he's one of those rookies who mm-hmm. a lot of people, including me, were high on. Uh, this oh, absolutely, summer. absolutely. Um, uh, I had I had uh, Jamar Chase ahead of him, um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there was a good case to be made for Smith. Yep. Two very different directions between these two players. Is Devonte Smith now an automatic sit? Or do people out there who need 12 points, do they say, maybe it's this week? Yeah. I mean, you can sit here and say, hey, maybe it's this week. But, I mean, he's hit 12 points only three times a season. Uh, He hasn't scored a touchdown since week one. Uh, He gets volume. He's had nine targets in three of his last five games. But what's that getting you? Um, Last week, sure, the Eagles only threw the ball 14 times. You can't blame Smith for the play calling of Nick Cerrone. Uh, But you're not getting a lot of upside. Uh, it's it's hard for me to recommend Devonta Smith. I actually had him this week as one of my sits and one of the early uh, start sit articles that we put out this week. I think a lot of it comes down to the matchup. Los Angeles Chargers allow the fewest points to wide receivers in terms of fantasy points allowed. They've only given up four touchdowns on the season. Uh, Jalen Hurts is not playing that great of football right now, as great as he is as a, a fantasy option. I think there is that separation we have to have between what happens on the field and then what we see in the, in the box scores. Um it's not a team you want to try to throw the ball, and so I expect to see uh, a Jalen Hurts attempt to try to run the ball more than trying just to force feed targets. Uh, you might end up getting, you know, that nine target range, but if it's only giving you sixty yards, eh, like it's not uh, not a lot of upside. Like if there's guys like you know, like we just talked about, you know, um, uh, Kadarius Tony, that's a guy who I would play over top of him just for that pure upside play. Uh, a Rondell Moore. Uh, is another one of those. Let's say that the Arizona Cardinals don't have Kyler Murray. You've got DeAndre Hopkins, who's also a sideline, dealing with a hamstring injury. Let's say they miss him. Uh, you end up rolling out Colt McCoy. Then at that point, the vertical threat is gone. So now Cliff Kingsbury gets creative, works more towards the, around the line of scrimmage and let guys create after the play. That's literally what you drafted Rondale Moore for. Um, mm. Those guys, to me, have just a little bit more upside than you would get with a, a Devonta Smith right now. Like I said, I love him. Great player. Love him coming out of uh, out of uh, Alabama. I'm with you. He was my wide receiver too. For a long time, he was my number one wide receiver. But right now, outside of Jamar Chase, there's no rookie wide receiver who's wowing you like we had last year when we had multiple wide receivers who were kind of taking over fantasy. Right. Um, hopefully, Rashad Bateman kind of steps into that role. But once again, that's a, a low-volume passing offense, although I do think he could end up being the wide receiver one on this team. Uh, Michael, uh, I'm sorry to... Uh, Marquise Brown will be like the, that high upside splash play given his speed and the way he gets targeted. But in terms of pure volume, hopefully Rashad Bateman, who came in this class, arguably the most pro-ready, uh, could yeah. end up kind of taking over. But as of right now, it's this rookie class is kind of starting to fizzle out a little bit. Yeah, I, I, uh, very good point. I agree with you completely about Bateman. I think Marquise Brown, I mean, he, he does make some spectacular plays. and obviously, Oh, without yeah. question. Yeah, yeah. Trust with Lamar Miller. He also drops a bunch of passes, and uh, you know, it's I, I've seen enough to know that he is uh, he takes advantage of of the opportunity, which is that 
there's not a lot of, you know, DuVernay is the number three option in that passing. Yeah, Devin du- and Devin DuVernay has actually been pretty good this year. If you're in a deeper league, he's done pretty well for you. Yeah. But the question is, okay, when you bring in you know, Rashad Bateman, who gets, who's got about to play in his, his third game, Sammy Watkins end up making his return. Like, how does the share of targets all of a sudden right. come around? Mark right. Andrews, you got to throw him in there. Uh, right. So I, I think it's interesting what happens with the Ravens in terms of the pass catchers. Like I said, you're going to get that high upside play from those those deeper touchdown uh, from Marquise Brown. But I think the volume of him, like it's all, you know, 14 targets in his last game out. I don't think you're going to start seeing that anymore. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, and and uh, Bateman did more with less targets, which uh, yep. uh, said a lot. Uh, tight ends, two of them. George Kittle coming back three or four games this year before he got hurt were so-so from what I can remember. Um, You're not wrong. So, so uh, given that, is this George Kittle top six tight end? Is this George, because I'm not going to say top three. He's certainly not that anymore, I would think. Is this a yeah. top six tight end or is this a top 12 tight end that we're going to see? Uh, I'll kind of cut in the middle. I'll give you top 10. I'll give All you right. top 10, but I mean, I would have him, obviously, like I said, you're going to have him behind, you know, your Kelsey, Waller, Andrews, Pitts, that's your easy top four. Then you get into your middle range where you get uh, Kaseki, Goddard, Dalton Schultz yeah, are kind of in that mid tier. Then you get into like the you know Tyler Higby, Zach Ertz, George Kittle, uh, Hunter Henry. You get into that kind of next range like your your tight end ones. I kind of think he's more in there. Okay. Uh, volume side of things, I think he'll be good. I think he'll be fine because it's it's not like he's having to deal with, like we always had to wonder. Okay, when you have like Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. We look back to last year. We didn't have a lot of a sample size of when all three of those were on the field at the same time. Brandon Ayuk's been on the field this entire time without George Kittle and hasn't done a damn thing. Like he is now the new Dante Pettis. Flashes is a rookie year, gets in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse, gets completely ignored from that point on. Like he's on that trajectory. I don't want him to be. I think he's talented as hell. Like I have him on several teams. Right. I think he's way better than Dante Pettis, but he's got to start doing something. Yeah. Um, and so like, you bring George Kittle now into here. Like, it's I think he's going to get the volume just because Dante Pettis hasn't been getting anything, but the matchup sucks. Like the Arizona Cardinals, like we talked about, okay, they hadn't played anyone. Well, they finally started to play some people that had some decent tight ends, and they're brutal in terms of a matchup. Mm. I think if we looked on the season last, like right now the Arizona Cardinals are only allowing 6.3 fantasy points per game to tight ends, and that's in PPR leagues. Right. So that's not even like in half-point scoring. That's They're not allowing anything. Um, right. to go from a team where you started your tight end against them every single week when they gave up like 14 touchdowns that one season. Right. When you start drafting really athletic hybrid style linebackers to combat what these teams are doing with really athletic tight ends, right. all of a sudden you can kind of take away where that where the NFL is kind of moving towards where guys, you know, you have more guys like, you know, your Darren Waller, your TJ Hawkinson, your Noah Fance, like those really athletic guys who can kind of who can kind of stretch the field a little bit more rather than your old school, you know, Heath Miller's or Kyle Rudolph's, you know, where you could have like a normal, like a Luke Keekley style linebacker could negate that. You couldn't do that anymore the way the modern NFL is going. So when you bring in an Isaiah Simmons, then you can kind of negate some of that. All, you kind of negate some of that upside these tight ends have. Uh, so I think Kittle will be yeah. okay. He's going to be a tight end one. I'm going to start him if I have him. Uh, but like I said, that's from in terms of like that top three option. I don't think he'll be there right now, especially not in his first game back and in the same matchup. And if you look back and one of my favorite uh, years to look back on is 2018. Kittle had this monster season. He had almost 1400 yards. Um, hey, I mean, it was the year that he set the record for the single season for tight ends. That's right. And and who did he play with that year? He played with Marquise Goodwin, played with the aforementioned yep. Dante Pettis, played with Kendrick Bourne. 
um, uh, Trent Taylor and uh, an aging Pierre Garçon. Those were the top receivers he was playing with. Take a trip My down thing memory with Kittle going into the season, when I thought Brandon Ayuk would would be better, honestly, is that I saw Kittle Preaching. as overvalued because I didn't see how the Kittle of a few years ago could translate to the Kittle of today yep. in an offense where Jimmy Garoppolo isn't getting you 350 yards. He's getting you 220. He's getting you 240. I didn't see how Samuel, Ayuk, and Kittle could all work together to all be successful. I thought Kittle was going to be the one to regress. I think part um, of it was just the upside of what we thought Trey Lance might bring, because I think we kind of thought that Trey Lance would be starting by this point. That's true. Um, that's and true. then we also kind of bring in that, you know, no one is better at scheming skill positions into advantageous positions than Kyle Shanahan. Like, <laughs> if anyone is going to figure that out, it would be Kyle Shanahan. Um, like he would have been fine. It's we look at the the drop off at the tight end position. You had like a top five, and that was that was clear. It was the Kelsey, the Darren Waller, Kittle, like Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson. Like that was your clear top five in drafts. Like a lot of people were starting to include Kyle Pitts, but we knew he had to have an outlier season right. uh, to bring back that value. And you're getting that right now. Granted, it's been at the help of you know Calvin Ridley missing time. He's now you know he's going to miss at least the next three games. Um, but you knew you it, it had to take that for him to return just to return value. Um, so even if Kyle Pitts, I mean, even if you know George Kittle wasn't going to be like that, that top three, he was still going to be a a must draft tight end. And I think that speaks more honestly just to where the position is, is in turn of like of upside plays in fantasy rather than just like Kittle had room to drop off and still be a weekly starter. Yeah. Um, I got one more for you, uh, uh, Albert Aukubunum for Denver. Uh, some of the people listening. Okuwebunum. Uh, oh, okay, Okuwebunum. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, you know, that shout out to Cody Rourke. I did a couple of podcasts with him, and I always refused. I just say Albert O. Eventually, you know, you listen to him say it enough times, and he's kind of got a good pulse on how to say this stuff because he literally covers the Denver Broncos. You know, That's right. So I should have. I kind of I learned from a pro on that one. Albert Aukubunum. And uh, with Noah Fant uh, expected to be out, officially out, did you say right before the, uh, the we started recording? Uh, um, Noah Fant, he's still, there's a chance he could come back. Um, okay. But if he to, is out, do you yes, start Alberto? Is, is, he, uh, is, is he a top 12 for you? I've actually got him just outside, right on that top 12 line. I've got him as a tight end 13. Okay. Um, I think what was interesting for me was I started looking into like the role that he fills. Like outside of literally playing with Noah Fant, Albert Okawebanam would likely be a the most talented player on virtually every other offense in the NFL. I mean, he's 6'5", like 255 roughly, and wow. ran a four four nine at the NFL Combine coming out of Missouri. Wow. Like, you also paired him back up with, at that time, with his former quarterback in Drew Locke, now with Teddy Bridgewater. Like, outside of every other team or virtually, he would be the most athletic player on that team. Mm -hmm. And he steps into a role where Noah Fant is actually, I think he's tied with Darren Waller, for fourth um, in targets to the tight end position, and he's seen about 19.6% of the target share in Denver. Now, granted, that was with Jerry Judy Jerry out, Judy, yeah. so he was serving as kind of that number three option behind Tim Patrick, but that's still going to be a valuable role for him this week going up against Dallas, uh, who's going to score points. They have to play from behind. So, I mean, Albert Oh, he could see a decent amount of volume somewhere in that six to seven target range, potentially. It all kind of depends on how they end up using uh, uh, Jerry Judy and if they want to try to 
go away from uh, Trayvon Diggs and this Dallas offense. So, I mean, I could see him getting some decent usage. Like, it doesn't take a lot to be a starting tight end in fantasy football. Right. Uh, but like I said, that low end tight end one play, kind of him right around in that, um, you know, Tyler Conklin, Pat Fryermuth kind of range. I think it makes sense if you need a streamer option this week.